So one of the things that I'm going to request for all of you, I'm very thankful that uh, Sergey has an accent. So <laughs> right now, I want to ask that you tune in your ears for my accent. And so very thankful. So I'm sure that you already have prepared. Um, so I'm very excited uh, to be in front of you, very excited to, to primarily be able to exercise what I feel, what the Lord has called me uh, to do, which is to, to proclaim the Word of God. As um, Josh has mentioned, over the past four or five years, I, I have been preaching uh, previously at my previous church, and then uh, over the past two days, over the past two weeks, the reason why I was not here is because I was preaching two hours away. I was rehearsing to prepare for here. I'm kidding. No. <laughs> no. They asked me, and I said, yes, absolutely. And, and I have, they have always uh, had me come over the past four years. Every time that their pastor has to travel or go to a different location, I usually try to go and, and, and share the Word of God. So very privileged to be able to share the Word of God with, with all of you. And uh, I want to welcome all of you, uh, to, as Josh mentioned, to Shadow Bible Church. And those who are online, um, I pray that as I share the word of God uh, today, that we get a, a deeper understanding and a deeper um, meaning of what it is to, to be the bride of Christ. Um, as I, that's the title of the sermon this morning, the bride of Christ. It has been a tremendous, tremendous journey for me going through the passages of scripture that speaks about this. And now before I continue, will you please uh, join me in prayer? Dear gracious and heavenly Father, we, we thank you so much that you are our bridegroom. We thank you so much that you are the perfect bridegroom, that you are faithful and you love us, Father God. And I pray, Father God, as I share your word, that you will be the one that speaks into each of our hearts, and that you cause the transformation that we need to have in order to love you more, to serve you better, and to follow you better, Father God. I pray, Father God, that you will impact all of our hearts this morning to be united for your kingdom and bringing others to partake in the marriage supper of the Lamb. It is in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, that I pray. Amen. So one of the things that um, when we think about a wedding, when we think about a bride, I mean, I got married. It's about to be two years in October. One of the things that I noticed for, for my bride is that the moment that she was engaged, that we got engaged, um, everything becomes secondary. Everything becomes secondary. So if I were to ask, my, somebody would come and ask Megan during her period of, of betrothal, hey, can you, can you babysit for me? And she says no. Her, the reason why she's saying no is because right now that is not a priority. Right now that is not his central focus. His central focus and her priority is preparing uh, for her wedding. It's making sure that the brides are there, the, the bridesmaids are there, making sure that the invitations are sent, making sure that her dress fit, making sure that everything that she needs to have for the wedding day is ready. And so that's what I seek to communicate to us to do today. Because in order for us to know um, what we ought to be doing, we need to know who we are. 
We need to know who we are. And the better understanding that we know who we are, now we're going to have greater clarity in what we are to be doing. We're going to have greater clarity in what we are to be doing. So today, the, the title of the sermon is, is The Bride of Christ. Over the past four weeks and five weeks, we have heard about uh, the, the picture of the church, the picture of the church as a family. We have seen the, the picture of the church as a flock. We've seen the picture of the church as a body. And we have seen the picture of the church as an army. And, and pictures are, are meant to, to convey to, through images to give us a deeper understanding of what is it that we are part of. It's, it's through illustrations that we get a clearer picture of things. And so I believe that the Lord Paul chooses the, this, the passage by which I'm going to be preaching on is from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 uh, to 33. If you are using the, the church Bible, uh, it's going to be on page uh, 978. Um, and if you are new to Shadam and you do not own an, a Bible, Please, it is a gift uh, from most of you that you may take. So, Ephesians um, chapter 5, verse 22 to 33. Uh, this is the word of the Lord. Wives, submit to your own husband as the Lord. For the husband is the head of his wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself his savior. Now, this church, now as the church submit to Christ, so also wives submit in everything to their husband. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wife as their own bodies. He, lo he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and then the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ as, and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she is respected to respect her husband. So my, my thesis for this morning, what I'm seeking to unfold will be, the church is the bride of Christ. Therefore, let us prepare, look with eager expectation and excitement, the marriage supper of the Lamb. The church is the bride of Christ. Therefore, let us prepare, look with eager expectation and excitement, the marriage supper of the Lamb. So I've just got uh, three points. Um, number one, one will show us the, the picture of the bridegroom. The picture of the bridegroom. Because in order for us to really understand what it means for us to be the bride of Christ, we have to see who is our bridegroom. We really have to. 
We really have to. We're going to see the picture of the bridegroom in the past and in the present. We also will see the picture of the bride in the past and the picture of the bride in the present. And finally, we will see our final union, what we are looking forward to. That's what chose Revelations 19, 7 to 9. That's what we're going to finish. Because one thing that I found myself as I was preparing uh, to preach, uh, to share the word of God, is that I, I don't look forward for a day in which I'm going to be finally united with Christ. I don't look forward to a day where sin is going to be no more. I get caught up so much in here and now. I get so much caught up in proclaiming the gospel, which is true. I get so much caught up in, 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 in living a life that honors Christ. And all of those things are well. All of those things are great things. But I think in order for us to have the energy and the strength to continue to do those things, is that we have to look forward to what we are going to gain. We have to look forward to who we are going to be at the end of this race. So we're going to see who the picture of the bridegroom, the picture of the bride, and our final union. So I read in Ephesians, it talks about how wives are called to, to submit to their own husband. Um, because just as Christ is, is the head of the church, and the church is called to submit to Christ. So my question is this, why? Why should the church submit to the bridegroom? Why is the bridegroom worthy of our devotion, worthy of our faithfulness? Why is it that as the church we do everything for the bridegroom? We gotta ask ourselves those questions. And so for, in order for us to get a, a glimpse, an idea of who the bridegroom is, we're gonna turn into Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 1 to 14. It's gonna be page 702 and 703. Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 1 to 14. So here's the picture of the bridegroom in the past. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, confront Jerusalem with her detestable practices and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says to Jerusalem. Your ancestry and birth were in the land of the Canaanite. Your father was an Ammonite and your mother a Hittite. On the day you were born, your core was not cut, nor were you washed with water to make you clean, nor were you rubbed, rubbed with salt or wrapped in clothes. No one looked on you with pity or compassion, enough to do any of these things for you. Rather, you were thrown out into the open field, for one day you were born, you were despised. So here, the Lord is presenting a picture of Israel. Israel was nothing. They were nothing. They were not a nation. They were not a people. Nothing. They, were, they had no value. They had nothing uh, of their own. No value. This is where it started. And then we continue in verse 6. Then I passed by, and I saw you kicking about in your blood. And as you lay there in your blood, I said to you, Live. I made you grow like a plant of the field. 
You grew up and developed and entered purity. Your breasts have formed and your hair has grown, yet you were stark naked. So here we see a, 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 the Lord coming, noticing the people of Israel, making them a nation, forming them, bringing them little by little, giving them value. He, he, he cleans them. And then we continue in verse 8. Later I passed by, and when I look at you, I saw you were old enough for love. I spread my cornet, my corner of my garment over you and covered your naked body. I gave you a solemn oath and entered into a covenant with you, declares the sovereign Lord, and you became mad. You became mine. I bathed you with water and I washed the blood from your, uh, and put ointments on you. I clothed you with embroidered, dress you and put sandal of fine leather on you. I dressed in fine linen and covered you with costly garment. I adorned you with jewelry. I put bracelets on your arms and a necklace around your neck. And I put a ring on your nose, earrings on your ears, and a beautiful crown on your head. So you were adorned with gold and silver. Your clothes were of fine linen and costly fabric and embroidered clothes. Your food was honey and olive oil and the finest flower. You became very beautiful and rose to be a queen. And your fame spread among the nations on account of your beauty because of the splendor I have given you. May your beauty perfect, declares the Lord. You know, um, this is a commentary from a pastor. He writes, the foundling become a queen. She has received all the care she lacked when she was born, and far more, her life, status, wealth, and beauty, all derived from the gracious gift of the one who chosen her. He has provided beautiful jewelries for her and fine, fineness of food, which have led her to fame spreading throughout the world. So this is the, the picture of Israel. Israel went from nothing to, to, to be one of the most famous nations in their time. And it was nothing that Israel did that granted them that favor. It was not their devotions because we know if we read uh, the Old Testament, in which we're going to see, Israel was very faithless. It was nothing that they did. Everything was based upon the covenant that the Lord made with Abraham. Everything was based upon God's covenant. God decided to be faithful to the people of Israel. So this is the bridegroom in the past. Our Lord, our God, is faithful, and he loved the people of Israel. So it had nothing to do with what they did. Nothing to do with their actions or their behavior, but it had everything to do with the God who chose them. Everything to do with that. So, some quick point of application. Let us remember that the bridegroom is faithful. So, as I mentioned, why is the bridegroom worthy of our submission? Why is the bridegroom worthy of Israel's submission? It is because of everything he has done for them, it is because of everything he has given them. It is because he has chosen them and made them his. So therefore, in light of that, all they had to do was to submit. 
And this submission was not a submission in which it was not beneficiary for them. The more they submit from the Lord, the more they would have prospered. The more they would have grown. But Israel did not chose to submit. Rather than taking God's precious gift and using it to bring glory to God, to bring a, a blessing to all the nations as it was proclaimed to Abraham, you will be a blessing to all the nations. They went the opposite way. So what was Israel's response in light of this? Let's turn, I continue to read in verse 15 of this same chapter. But you trusted in your beauty. So now this is the picture of Israel as a bridegroom in the past. But you trusted in your beauty and played whore. Because of your renown and lavish your whoring on any passenger, your beauty became his. You took some of your garments and made it for yourself colorful shines, and on them played the whore. The light was never been, nor ever shall be. You also took your beautiful jewelries of my gold and of my silver, which I've given to you, made for yourself image of men, and with them played the whore. And you took embroidered garments to cover them, and set my oil and my incense before them. Also, my bread that I gave you, I fed you with fine flowers and oil and honey. You set before them, for I am pleased a, for a pleasing aroma, and so it was declared the Lord. And if you continue to read the, that, that, that passage, the, the wickedness and, and the behavior of Israel is, is not that it stops, but it continues to go worse and worse and worse. Pastor John MacArthur says, this is a general summary of the nation's idolatry. As she gave herself to religious practice of the Canaanite, every gift from God was devoted to idols. So rather than the Israel, rather than the bridegroom, responding in submission and love and devotion and faithfulness to God, I mean, because he's worthy, I mean, why not? They turned to idols. They turned to false God. They wanted to be like the other nation. And because they chose to be like the other nations, it was their very own demise. Because they chose to pursue their sin. Because they chose to pursue their passions and desire. It was their very own destruction. Their very own destruction. But yet the Lord still remain faithful to the people of Israel. He did not abandon them. They were able to come back. To the, uh, after going into exile, they came back. Because the, the main goal was not the people of Israel. The main goal was pointing to someone who was going to come and make a covenant with us that would never leave us nor forsake us, that would draft people in to be part of his nation. The Lord was being faithful to his promise because for him, there was a greater goal. There was a greater purpose in all of this. And so, what I want us to be reminded here is that as the church, as the bride of Christ, let us not be that the nation of Israel in the past. Let us not respond in unfaithfulness to the faithfulness of the Lord. 
but rather let us respond in submission, in adoration unto him, for he is worthy of our praise. And also, the people of Israel did not remember who redeemed them. But for us, let us remember who redeemed us. Because the moment that we fail to remember who redeemed us, that's the moment in which we're going to forsake the Lord and no longer submit to him. The moment that we fail to remember who redeemed us, we are going to, not going to pass down to our children and the next generation. That's one of the things that I continue to think about now that I'm a father. I want to make sure that no matter what, I portray to my son who is my redeemer, who is my Lord, who is my Savior, so that he one day will submit to him and follow him through his life. So remember, the Lord, be faithful. Be faithful to the Lord. And remember who is the Redeemer. So now we're going to turn to to the present. So who is, so in the past, the bridegroom is is God, the Lord, and the the bride was was Israel. Now let's turn to the present. And and we read uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 to 33. And um, I'm going to read it again because it's such a wonderful passage. It's an awesome passage. Wives, submit to your own husband as the Lord. For the husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church, church, his body. And he himself is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives submit, should submit in everything to their husband. Husband, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that it might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wife as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let his wife see that she respects her husband. So clearly, this, this passage is speaking about the love and respect relationship between a husband and a wife. Wife are called to submit to her husband. And the husband is called to love the wife as Christ um, loved the church. Uh, as I was going through this passage, one of the things that made me realize as a husband is that me loving my wife is not conditioned upon her respecting me. Because if we look at, at God, Israel's love for God was not conditioned upon Israel's submission to the Lord. That's just a quick side note. So, husband, love your wife. It is not conditioned upon her respecting you. You are ahead. You are to care for her and nourish her and equip her. And wife, submit to your husband because they are modeling to you Christ. 
In everything that they are seeking to do, they are modeling to you who Christ is. They are striving to be more and more like Christ in every action, in every respect. But enough of that. So, so the, the picture of, of, of the bridegroom here, what we see is that the bridegroom is the head of the church. He gave himself for you, for us, for all of us. He's the one that sanctifies you. He wants you to be his. He will present you clean with no spot, no wrinkle, and no blemish. So here what we see in of the bridegroom is that the bridegroom is doing everything possible for you to be finally united with him. Not only does the bridegroom save you, but he takes you, he washes you clean, he protects you, he cares for you, he loves you, and he wants you to be his. What a phenomenal bridegroom. I mean, to live to that standard as a husband to my wife, it is impossible. Because I'm a fallen human being. There's moments in time where I'm trying to love my wife and it's difficult. But here we see the Lord. Nah, you are my bride. And I want you to be finally united with me. So I'm doing everything possible. Removing anything that can hinder your preparation, that can hinder your way to finally come to me. The Lord's desire is to present you clean to him. That right there shows that he has nothing to do with your efforts and your work. Right? That is the Lord's desires for you. This is why the bridegroom, Christ Jesus, is worthy of our devotion, worthy of our submission, worthy of our praises, because he does everything for us. When I became a Christian, I, mean, I, I was lost. I, I admit it, I was lost. But the moment I realized that Christ Jesus wanted me, not because of what I brought to the table or what I did, but because he just wanted me to be with him. He changed everything for me. And now everything that I seek to do is to honor him and exalt him through my life. So I hope that we, we have get a, an idea and in, in a picture of who is our bridegroom. Because now, as, as we get an idea of who is our bridegroom, now we understand why we ought to submit. Now why the church is called to submit. And in our submission, and in understanding who we are as the bride of Christ, now we're going to have clarity in what we ought to be doing and not be confused in, in getting the, the waters muddy. So now let's, let's look at the bride. Now let's, let's look at it. So what is it that we ought to be doing? It's called here. So the picture is, wives, submit to your own husband as the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. His body uh, is himself his Savior. So here is a picture of submission. 
It is a picture of devotion to Christ. It is a picture of giving ourselves unto him. And so, now that, that we understand who we are as the bride of Christ, what, what does a bride do? What, how do I be gone? The bride is getting ready. The bride is getting ready to be with the bridegroom. She's preparing herself. She's making herself clean. She's going on runs. She's washing everything that she eats. Making sure she's eating healthy food. She wants to feel on that dress. She wants to make sure she has the right earrings and the makeups and all of that stuff. Because she understands, like, man, I want to be with my beloved. I can't wait to be with him. And so that's what I want us to have here, is have that eager expectation, preparing ourselves to be with Christ. Preparing to be with him. And so, what does that look like? The bride of the present is the church. We are the one that, that the Lord has chosen to spread his kindness and his love and protection over us. So, what is it that we have to be doing? As the bride of Christ. What is it? So just like a bride is prepping to be with the bridegroom, the same should be true of us. Prepare. Prepare. So how do we prepare? Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spirit to worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you might discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. 1 Peter 1.13, Therefore, prepare your minds for actions, and being sober-minded, sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Renewing of our minds, being sober-minded, renouncing the way of the world, renouncing everything that can hinder us from being with Christ, renouncing everything that gets on the way, renouncing everything that is in a stumbling block. That's how we prepare. Another thing that you see is, is purity in acting. Purity in acting. Um, Philippians, huh, I cut off the reference, excuse me for that. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, is there any excellence, if any excellence, is there anything worthy of praise? Think about this thing. So we go for the renewal of our mind to to thinking about those things that are worthy of our devotion to Christ. Worthy of our devotion to Christ. So in the purity of acting, meaning, again, not giving ourselves to the desires of the flesh, but giving ourselves to that which honors him. Not being like Israel and prostituting themselves to the other nations, but devoting ourselves to God, to Christ. Devoting ourselves to Christ. And during this time, what we ought to be doing, 
we should be deepening our relationship through the knowledge of him. John 17, 3 says, And this is eternal life, that they might know, the one, they might know you, the only true God, Jesus Christ, who we have sent. Know Christ. Spend time in the scripture. Spend time in the word. And the deeper your relationship you have with Christ, the deeper the intimacy that you're going to have with him. The same is true. That's why the idea of husband and wife and marriage and bridegroom is being presented. Because there's no deeper intimacy in this earth than a marriage. There's none other. No other deeper intimacy than that. And that's what Paul wants us to get. That the bride of Christ, you are looking forward to the deepest and most meaningful intimacy that you will ever experience in, for the rest of your life. So deepen your relationship with Christ by spending time with him. He's worthy of that. And like a wedding, invite others, right? You know, I remember me and my wife talking about our, our wedding. You know, it was during the time of COVID. We were very disappointed, very sad that we're like, oh, man, we're going to have to cut numbers. And so we kept thinking, what can we do to make sure that everybody's there present, that everybody's there to celebrate with us this beautiful day? If we could invite the whole world, we would have. But I don't think there's any place that can fit all of us. But that was our desire because it was not only us or people seeing us getting married, but also what message is being conveyed, the message that was going to be communicated. It's the gospel. And so Matthew 28, verse 16 to 20 says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus has directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to, to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Invite others. In this, this union, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. Bring others to partake, to celebrate, you know, to be with Christ. For them to behold, look at my bridegroom, look at how much he loves me, look how much he cares for me. And now, for you who do not know the Lord here, have you get the picture? You get the picture. If you do not know the Lord, this is what he's calling you into. He's calling you into the most deeper, most fulfilling relationship that you could ever imagine. You have tasted the world. You have given yourself to the desires of the flesh. Have they brought you any satisfaction? Have they brought you any fulfillment? I know what it feels like. I'm sure that it's made you more and more empty. Because that was my life for 24 years. I'm 32 years old now. Not for 24 years, I mean, 
more like. I mean, not like I was a baby doing all this different stuff. <laughs> but you get the picture. For 24 years, my life was devoted to the desires of the flesh. And all it did, it just brought more emptiness and dissatisfaction. But it wasn't until I met the bridegroom, it wasn't until I met Christ, that I truly find myself fulfilled. And in growing in that fulfillment, because we, we're not quite there yet, we, we're growing in that. Will you, will you repent and believe in Jesus Christ? Will you come into this union that one day it will be perfect? That one day there will be no more sorrow, no more pain, no more need to pursue empty vessels. Will you come and believe in Jesus Christ? As I mentioned already, there is no more intimate relationship, no more deeper or meaningful relationship that which between a husband and a wife. And if you are part of the bride of Christ, praise the Lord that you are part of that. That is wonderful. If you are not, the open invitation is being extended to you to go to him, to be with him. So now, so we saw the bridegroom um, in the past, impressive. The bride in the past, the bride in the present, and what the bride ought to be doing in light of knowing who we are. So now let us, let us look to the, to, the, to the final union. And, and I, I love, I mean, I love this passage. Uh, Revelations 19, verse 6 to 9. It's going to be page 1040 of the Pew Bible. Just turn to the last book. Just, just flip randomly. you find it. Then I heard what is seen to be a voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many water, like the sound of a mighty pearls of thunders crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride has been made herself ready. It was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the linen is the righteous deeds of the saint. And the angel said to me, write these things. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. This, this, this is what we are looking forward to, brothers and sisters in Christ. You have not become the, the bride of Christ just cause. That's what it means. I'm just, I'm just a Christian. You're not called to submission just cause. Everything that we are doing, every struggles, difficulties, pain, suffering that we are going through in our life is leading to this day. It will end. This is what you've been part of. You will be united with Christ. You will be with him. This is what we look forward to. So let us prepare. Let us look with eager expectation and excitement for this day. 
By doing so, that is how we're going to be able to live in greater purity. By doing so is how we're going to be able to pursue greater and deeper relationship with him. It is by looking at that future. It is by looking at him that we're going to be eager to invite others to partake in his union. And I call this part the, the gospel of grace because just as there's the gospel, it's an invitation for all those to come and partake and be saved and be united with him. The gospel is also true for us who are believers in Christ Jesus. Because we know we, we fall short. We know that at times we don't look forward with eager expectation. Like I, I'm convicted of that. As I mentioned earlier, I, I get caught up in the here and now. I know that on the daily basis, I don't pursue deeper and intimate relationship with God. We all do. We all, we all fall short. I know that we, we fail often to share the gospel with others when opportunities clearly being presented to us. My brothers and sisters, let us not despair. Because this is the beauty of what it means to be the bride of Christ. Like I said, Christ does everything for us. He makes everything possible for us, for us to live in light of his grace. Let's turn back to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26 and 27. Here's what the Lord, our God, through Christ, is doing in our life despite our shortcomings and failure. He says, even though that we're supposed to be preparing, even though that we're supposed to be making ourselves pure and ready for him, we fall short of that. But the Lord says that he may sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she may be holy and without blemish. Oh, let us rejoice in that. That is wonderful news for us to hear. That despite our shortcomings and failure, we're not going to go into the marriage supper of the Lamb with spot or wrinkle or blemish or unprepared. We're going to be fully prepared. We're going to be fully clean because it is the gospel of Jesus Christ that brings about the cleansing of our life. That's what we look forward to. That's why we are called the bride of Christ, because it's not our works. It is what he's doing. So let us hold on to that. Let us press on to that. Let us not let the lies of Satan make us believe that we are falling short, for we are not. For the moment that we trust and believe in Jesus Christ, we became his. And there's absolutely nothing that can separate us from his love. Absolutely nothing. So remember, let us, let us prepare. Let us, let us live in light of this future glory. And let us submit to, our, to him because he loves us. Just some quick points. If, if you, for those who, who, who are married, continue. So as a husband, be like Christ. Wife, respect your husband. To those who are engaged, prepare. Look forward. Look forward to being with him. 
to the things in this room. Look with eager expectation to be with Christ. There's no greater union. You may think that this world can offer you everything, but I promise you it does not. It will fall short. But Christ offers everything for you. Everything for you. Now we are about to partake in, 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 that, in that supper. You know, the, the Lord's Supper is that picture that one day we're going to be all united with Christ, celebrating with him, partaking in Eden. And so as we partake in the Lord's Supper, let us, let us remind ourselves of that final day in which we will finally take our last supper. We will finally take and, and, and be with him. And this is what the Lord's Supper represents. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he gave it thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. All those who have trusted and believed in Jesus Christ, come and partake in this union. If you have not trusted and believed in Jesus Christ, there's a warning that says, whoever therefore eat of this bread or drink of this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning their body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself and then, then so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For everyone who drinks without discerning the body is eat and drink judgment in himself. Eat and drink. So, If you are partaking, there are pre, pre-packaged. If you need help in somebody bringing you the Lord's Supper, please raise your hand. Brother Clifton uh, will bring it uh, on to you. And so um, let me pray. Father God, we, we thank you so much that you are our God and you are the bridegroom that loves us perfectly, that cares for us, that's not everything possible for us to have a relationship with you. Pray, Father God, that we, we continue to look forward to the day in which we will be united with you, celebrating the final union in which no, nothing else will get on the way of being with you. And I pray, Father God, that for those who have heard this message and you have spoken to their hearts, that they will come to you and repent and believe in you, Father God. It is in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen.